Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Armand Lee, and thank you so much for listening in to another episode of The Quarterly Report. On this week's show, my cousin, he's making his monthly appearance. My cousin Sadiq Abdul stopping by. He's going to break down just how scary Carson Wentz is just ahead of Philadelphia and Washington's Monday Night Football Showdown next week. Also, baseball's playoffs have been amazing, but they keep on getting in their own way. We're going to find out why baseball isn't Yasiel Puig's friend and why it makes zero sense. All that and so much more. But first, the number one story this week. First quarter. Yes. Yes, y'all hear it. Man, I know y'all are as excited as I am about the return of the NBA. Slim, let me let me give you a little bit of a personal tidbit before I start with the quarter. For this is the second year now in which the start of the NBA season means that either I keep my daughter home from school when the Knicks play their first game of the year or this year um I got her out early dismissal. <laughs> man, it's like a holiday in the Lee household, man. I'm trying to tell you all weekend this past weekend it's like a kid on Christmas Eve, man, just counting down the hours, counting down the days in this instance until the start of the NBA season. And then Tuesday, it finally arrived, man, and I was so excited. It, it's crazy. You know what I mean? I'm a grown man, but I was so excited. Like I told you, I'm a Knicks fan. My team has no shot of being competitive. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't say being competitive, of winning anything, Right? But I'm still excited. I don't I feel like as I've gotten older, I've become more and more excited at the start of the NBA season. And this year it was magnified because it was like the greatest offseason of any sport ever. You know what I mean? I was talking to my cousin and, you know, Sadiq is going to be on the show in a, in a moment. But we're talking about not only all the transactions, right, player movement, but think about the rookies, you know. You got Lonzo and all the big baller brand stuff that that comes with it. The Philadelphia 76ers, they trusted the process so long that they ended up getting the number one overall pick. Boston won the had the best record in the Eastern Conference, went to the conference championship, and then added a top three pick in Jason Tatum. And he looks to be like the real deal in the debut. I mean, so many things, so many storylines, right? And it was it was all on display a game on night number one in the NBA. You know, we had two great games, uh, Houston and Golden State. You know, man, I'm washed, bro. <laughs> I'm 34 years old. I, I can't do the I can't stay up to watch the all all the uh, late West Coast basketball like I used to. So I fell asleep, man, in the third quarter. And, of course, it was a great finish. Houston surprises everyone without Chris Paul down the stretch. And then, of course, you know, the the first the first game, I was about to say the first fight. First game, it was, a fight, it was like, a, a, like a, a boxing card, man. You had two co-main events in the first game. I mean, honestly, in what other league, with all the things that happened between LeBron and Kyrie this offseason, that first game ends with Kyrie taking a shot over LeBron to tie the game and send it to overtime. I mean, how poetic is that? I mean, seriously, that doesn't happen to any other league. One-on-one, one shot to tie it, to extend the game, and, you know, LeBron gets the better of that. I mean, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect to me. You know, I love the NBA so much. It, it, it makes no sense. It was, it was a void in my life. I'm going to talk about the NBA like I – you know, you talk about a lover. You know what I'm saying? I'm so excited to have the NBA season back. And I, if you're listening to this show, chances are you feel the same way. But I want to focus on one thing in particular that happened um, in the NBA's debut opening night. And, of course, y'all know what I'm talking about. It was Gordon Hayward uh, literally minutes into his tenure in Boston. Gordon Hayward has an ugly, ugly-looking injury. Um, I'm sure, y'all, if you watch the game, TNT showed the joint, which was crazy. Um, and they had a great shot of, like, Dwayne Wade in the in the forward shot. And then you can see Hayward kind of 
you know, in pain, in a, in intense pain, obvious pain in the background. And it was a really amazing shot. But, you know, he injures his ankle and leg. It's fractured. At the time of this recording, I don't know uh, how long he's going to be out, how severe it was. It was They say it was an ankle and a tibula. Um, but there was something that happened in the immediate moment, moments following that injury. Because, again, no one wants anyone to be hurt, right? We all, you know, no one is rooting for injuries. If you are, you are a trash human being. However, we all understand injuries happen. So when I saw the injury, and I'm watching the game live, and I'm like, oh, my, oh, blank. You know what I mean? I tweeted that gen out because I was actually typing something as that happened. Um, so you, you see it and you just, you can't believe it because I mean, and when you think about it, these like really grotesque looking injuries, they're starting to happen with more frequency in the NBA. You see them in football, or at least you, I wouldn't even say regularly, but they happen in football more than they happen in the NBA. But Paul George, it happened with team USA a few years back, uh, I forget the young man's name, but he played for Louisville. I mean, that one was awful. And that happened in college. And it got me thinking, man. It's like, I feel awful for Gordon Hayward because obviously, you know, it's a new beginning for him. You know, he wants to to show the world that he's an elite player. And, you know, he's got championship aspirations. Everybody in Boston does. And, you know, you feel for him because, you know, his season is over more than likely, and he's got a long road to rehab in front of him, and that that can't be, you know, that's got to be awful, an awful feeling knowing, man, not only am I out for this year, I've got to rehab before I can even really play basketball again. And anyone who knows, man, rehab is no joke. But the immediate, after, I, you know, I feel bad for Gordon Hayward, and like, man, you know, that sucks for him. My immediate next, next train of thought was like, damn, this is really good for the Wizards in Milwaukee. Like, that's exactly the next train of thought that I had. No disrespect to Gordon Hayward, you know. We want him to get better. But, you know, like what they say in the football, the next man up, right? The the, the train keeps going. But I, I go on Twitter and, you know, social media, and everybody's acting like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is, this is a, a tragedy. What happened to Gordon Hayward? And I'm thinking to myself, yo, we got to chill. You know, like, let's keep things in a proper perspective. Perspective is a funny thing, right? Because each time, and I mean, just honestly, there were so many people. And look, Skip Bayless is a trash analyst. I'm not, I'm not a Skip fan. And, you know, Skip tweeted something immediately following the Gordon Hayward injury, talking about, you know, Gordon's injury leads to LeBron, you know, losing for, you know, a sixth straight time in the finals or something along those lines. You know what I mean? He was trivializing uh, Gordon Hayward's injury to take a shot at LeBron. And that's trash. You know what I mean? But every time, everywhere I was looking, it was like you can't talk about anything other than Gordon Hayward's injury. Or you can't talk about how Gordon Hayward's injury affects Boston at that moment because it trivializes his injury or something. And I'm thinking to myself, where y'all been at, man? <laughs> you know, I, I, when do we come to this conclusion? Because y'all, that's that's not how we do things. In our sports culture, we don't do things like that. And I'll give you a perfect example. In fact, I'll give you several. Literally, days, days before Gordon's injury, the Green Bay Packers suffered the biggest injury in sports this year. You know, as Aaron Rodgers goes down with a broken collarbone. Now, everybody on Tuesday is like, hey, you can't trivialize Gordon Hayward's injury. You know, you can't talk about the Wizards being better or how this opened things up for Cleveland. It trivializes his injury. But when Aaron Rodgers goes down, the moment, I mean, Aaron Rodgers' body is not carted off the field yet. And everyone's talking about and tweeting about and asking about Colin Kaepernick and Green Bay. Right? Is that, is that not trivializing Aaron Rodgers' injury? 
Because the moment he went down, everybody's like, oh, there's a new quarterback position open. You know, how does, does, does this mean the Packers are going to call Colin Kaepernick? Before that, like a week before that, Luke Keekley on the Thursday night game gets injured. Now, Luke Keekley, we, we could literally be watching Luke Keekley in real time lose his mind every single play. And I'm not saying that as a joke. Like, we've seen how he's handled concussions, and he has a history of concussions, and that's with the backdrop of what we know about CTE. But Thursday night football happens, Luke Keekley gets injured, and in the same breath, as they talk about Luke Keekley going to the back to get his head checked out, they then say, man, you know, the Carolina defense is going to have to step up. How are they going to, how is the Carolina defense going to stop the Eagles now? Is that not trivializing an injury? Is that not looking ahead to see how teams will fare now that an injury of a, of a star player is now? Let's keep it going. The week before that, Odell Beckham gets hurt. In the moment Odell Beckham gets hurt, everybody's like, well, there's it. That's all. It's over for the Giants now. Is that not trivializing an injury? So why is it okay with those three guys, three superstars, mind you, Aaron Rodgers, Odell Beckham, Luke Keekley? Why is it? I'd argue that those three players, even though they're playing football, are bigger stars than Gordon Hayward, right? And this is not a knock on Gordon Hayward. This is not me hating on the Celtics. Please understand, you know, we all wish him a speedy recovery. But man, I was, I was, I couldn't believe on social media. Everybody's like, oh my God, don't talk about how this affects the Eastern Conference. Let this man be okay. Look, Gordon Hayward's going to be fine. You know, we all wish him a speedy recovery. But look, and I tweeted this out the moment it happened. If this was going to happen, let's all be very happy it happened this year as opposed to last year where he was in a contract year. Gordon Hayward just signed a hundred and forty some odd million dollar contract. Okay, he's got a beautiful family and they are taken care of. $142 million. Gordon Hayward is in the prime of his career, still in his 20s. He's got a long NBA career ahead of him if he wants to continue playing. And Gordon Hayward didn't shatter a knee. Gordon Hayward didn't Blake break his leg in several different places. You know, again, I, this is a bit, I'm speculating a bit because I don't know at the time of this recording the full degree of the injury, right? But it wasn't an Achilles. He doesn't need microfracture, right? It's an ankle. And yes, it sucks. And yes, you know, I feel for him because, you know, he doesn't want to start his season like that. Like that. But let's keep things in the, the key word, buzzword, perspective. Think about what has happened in this world in the last 30 to 40 days. You know, think about what has happened in this country over that same time span. And every time, every single time something tragic happens like that, all these people rush to say, oh, man, you know, we got to keep things in a proper perspective, right? And then a week later, we're back to the hyperbole. Everybody was like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Again, there are a lot of terrible things going on in the world. There are a lot of people who are enduring terrible things. It sucks for Gordon Hayward. It really does. But come on now. Let's kind of, again, let's try to have perspective. So, you know, Tuesday night, again, my initial thought after I see him, you know, his, his injury, I'm thinking, wow, to myself. And, I, you know, I text my cousin. I text some of my friends. I'm like, yo, this is, this is great news for the Wizards. The Wizards literally have the second best opportunity. Now, I would say Milwaukee, the Wizards, and Toronto to some degree, a little bit behind those other two teams. They've got a great shot at finally getting to a conference championship. And Alabama's not going to make me feel guilty for thinking that because that's how we do things in this court. And again, just look into how we handle things with football. Collarbone, a head injury, a leg injury. And we keep it moving. But when basketball happens, with Gordon Hayward, everybody's got to send prayer emojis. And, you know, the halftime show basically wants to give, like, you know, a moment of silence. I'm like, come on, man. 
He just got paid. That's what the that's the best thing about the NBA. No matter what, you can't take his money away from him. And yeah, man, rehab is gonna suck for Gordon Hayward. And yeah, that injury looked gross and it was gruesome to see his leg hanging like that. But you can't have it both ways. This is the sports culture that we've that we've created. You understand? And again, if we're going to always preach about perspective in times of tragedy, we've got to kind of we got to kind of let things keep that same the same thought process longer than two weeks before we go back to you know calling anything that happens on a, on a basketball court or football field or tennis court a tragic event. All right, guys, man, that's quarter number one again. You know, that was a tough way to start the NBA season. But luckily, we had two great games, two great finishes. And again, the overall theme is I just love the NBA, and I'm so glad that it's back. Like I said, man, my daughter loves the fact that she don't have to go to school the whole day. It's, it's a holiday in the Lee household. But it's also a holiday in other households as well, especially my family. As for our second quarter this week, my cousin Sadiq Abdul is making his monthly appearance on the quarterly report. It's our second topic this week. All right, y'all already know what time it is. It's a family affair each month on the quarterly report. And this week, I welcome in my cousin Sadiq Abdul to the show. Sadiq, what's up, man? Hey, cousin, what's up, man? So let's get right to it, man. You and I, we've been talking over the past few days. And, you know, you share my excitement, man. I can't properly put into words just how excited, how psyched I am for the start of this NBA season. I'm with you. Hold, hold your drink up, man. Diddly, diddly. <laughs> but the best thing is, right, the season starts perfectly. You couldn't imagine a better scenario. Now, obviously, and I talked about this in quarter number one, you know, we feel for Gordon Hayward. It was a, a rough way for him to start his Boston tenure, right? But, you know, they moved on, and the game ends, like, the game ends perfectly. Kyrie Irving with the shot versus LeBron James to tie the game. That's how that game ended. And it's perfect when you think about all that has gone on this offseason. So before we get started, I just want to hear your thoughts about just how excited and your feelings for this upcoming NBA season. Man, honestly, like I said, probably last time we spoke, you know, on, on, a, um, on the podcast, we talked about it. And this was the best offseason that in, in memory, that one that we done had in a long time. I'm talking about I've never seen this much player, you know, movement, along with even the rookies. Like, I don't think we had a rookie class this well since maybe like LeBron in those class, like the 03 class with this much hype, you know what I mean? And, and even Ben Simmons, even though he's not in this uh, class, he's still a rookie coming in as far as his injury. So it's, man, it's just a lot to be excited about. You know, that's a great point, and I hadn't really thought about it. You know, everyone talks about when they talk about this past offseason – all the player movement, and rightfully so. You know, it's been really exciting, but this rookie class is loaded. I mean, there's so much talent at this class, and that doesn't even count, like ben, like you said, Ben Simmons, who will be finally uh, making his NBA debut as well. Um, but, you know, it's the start of the season, and with the start of every season, of course, everybody wants to know predictions. So we here at the Quarterly Report, we're going to do the same thing as well. Uh, so I'm going to ask you, who do you think will win MVP? And if you could give me your reasons why, and then I will then tell you my guess as to MVP as well. So, Sadiq, who do you feel will win this year's MVP? All right. The way uh, the, tone, the tone has kind of been set, I think, at least by last year, going in the sense of, and even Derrick Rose a few years ago, whereas if you have a superstar, like last year, um, you know, uh, Russell Westbrook was by himself a superstar that's by themselves will win it. So, therefore, all the guys that are, like, throwing KD's name out there, the Currys or Harden or CP, uh, Paul George, any of those guys, or you know, even Westbrook, now that he has help, any of those guys who have a victory or a superstar with them, I think those days are over now. You know, because one people, you know, there's some people that's kind of rumbling that uh, people are getting tired of victories and people make quick and form and super teams. So, therefore, they're kind of giving it to the underdogs of people that got to carry their own teams. And and now watching, you know, Hayward go down, we wish him the best. We wish that team the best. Watching him go down, I'm throwing Kyrie's name in there. And I'm, but my, my number one person I think will get it, or, or 1A and 1B, 
It's either going to be Kawhi Leonard mm. or or Giannis. Mm. And, it's kind of, and, and my thing, I'm going to tell you why I think Giannis, because it's still, the NBA is still a business. And they kind of yeah. push the agenda of who they want the fans to fall in love with and who they want to be number one. And, and you know, because, see, I realize Giannis is such a young guy. He's coming up, getting better and better. And LeBron is, you know, LeBron is going down. You know, it's, it's, I mean, I hate to say, but that's what it is. LeBron right. will be done another five, maybe, you know, four to five, six years. And right. then that's when, that's when the height of Giannis will be getting better. So the NBA is kind of plugging. So, therefore, don't be surprised if they give it to him early. You know, I could see Giannis. Yeah, Giannis or Kawhi. I'd have to see the way the team start to play first. I mean, I can't just say which one. But those two are my favorites right now. Man, you want to talk about the more genes. For those of you who don't know more, that's the name of our grandfather, you know, rest in peace. Uh, but he, Sadiq and I never talked. Like, I never asked him what he was going to say. He didn't ask me what I was going to say. But my number one MVP candidate is Kawhi Leonard as well, similar to what you said. I mean, when you look at the Western Conference, like, it's just due process of elimination. I don't think Kevin Durant or Steph Curry – Either of them are going to win MVP because they're both so good, they'll split votes. Exactly. And now you just keep on moving down the line. Go to Houston. I don't think James Harden is going to win MVP. You know, his team won 55-plus wins last year. You know, he had an amazing season, and now you're adding Chris Paul. So basically, what would he do? What would he have to do to deserve an MVP after the season he put last year? And you could cross Chris Paul off the list. Because, again, he's going to a team that won 55-plus wins. You do that with Oklahoma City. Russ won it last year by a large part because he averaged a triple-double, but also because he wasn't playing with any all-star talent. Now he's got Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. So you just look at that out west. There's only one team who's going to win over 50 or so games, right, that we all consider, and doing it without an all-star. And that's Kawhi Leonard. I mean, he checks off all the lists. So Kawhi would be my number one MVP candidate. Number two is actually a tie because I think both Milwaukee and Washington could surprise a lot of teams and win over 50 wins. So if Milwaukee wins 50 or more wins, then I think Giannis has a great shot. If Washington does it, I think John Wall has a great shot. And then my last, and I'm not, and I'm not including LeBron because LeBron could win MVP every year, but winning five MVPs, that, that's, that's like rare air. And I don't know if the, the voters are ready to give LeBron a fifth uh, MVP. But my fourth uh, candidate, and he's a sleeper, would be Carl Anthony Towns. Now that Jimmy Butler's in Minnesota, I think Minnesota has a great chance to have 50-plus wins, finish with a top-four seed out west, or at least top five. And if they do so, and Towns plays the way we all know he's capable of playing, I think he has a sleeper and outside chance of winning MVP. Mm, I would have to disagree with that one, only because, well, just because that's the last one you said. But see, Towns, Towns is maybe two, a year, two or three years away. You have to win a few times. Like, see, Giannis took his team to the playoffs already. Right. So he, you know, the precedent has been set for him already. He's already set it a little bit. Towns has never been to the playoffs. If I'm not mistaken, I'm just right off the top of my head, I want to say he's not, he hasn't been an all-star yet. No, it hasn't been awesome. Exactly. He's not going to jump straight to MVP. Now, don't get me wrong. He has MVP caliber talent, and he will win MVP. Like, barring any injury, you know, God forbid anything like that, he will win right. MVP a few times. He might even be multiple because he is that good. So, but yeah. not in 2000, not 2017, 2018. That, I can't see that happening. And even, like you said, even LeBron, they're moving away from him. Like, it's just, you know, they're trying to, trying to, Put it on the younger guys. It's just I mean, personally with LeBron, you kind of could give it him every year. He's kind of like exactly. the George. You know, people right. are tired of seeing the same people get it. That's all. Once again, I'm joined by my cousin, my family, my blood, Sadiq Abdul, promoter and sports analyst. All right, Deke, man, we're going to move from the hardwood to the gridiron. Now, for those of you who don't know, Deke, you bleed burgundy and gold. And we got a huge, huge showdown this Monday night between your boys as they go up to Philadelphia and play the Eagles. Now, this past offseason, all the quote-unquote experts, all they were talking about as it pertained to the NFC East were the Cowboys and the Giants. That's it. And here we are about to be week seven, I believe, and the best game in the week, the biggest game of the week, is between Washington and Philadelphia. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts, number one, on the game and just how important the game is, but also number two. Now, I don't know how you feel, but I was so wrong about Carson Wentz. I did not 
I did not know he was this nice. I was not a believer, but man, I'm ready to buy all the Carson Wentz stock that still exists. That boy is so good. So break down the game, the importance for your boys, and also kind of from the outside looking in, looking at just how good Carson Wentz has become. All right, first off, it's going to come down to – the NFC East always come down to Week 17. Now, I'm not saying the Redskins will be in that, that conversation in Week 17, but one of these two teams will be there, though, because they both right. solid. Skins, we are pretty solid because at the end of the day – okay, on um, with the Elliott Harris's uh, – his power rankings right now, the two mm-hmm. top teams the two top teams in the league are the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs number one mm-hmm. and the Eagle and the Eagles number two. Right. And the Rams are number three if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Oh, wow. So the Redskins exactly, well four. Something the Rams are up there though. They're four and two currently. So anyway, the Redskins, we've beaten the Rams. Right. And the, our only two losses are to the one and two teams when we had an opportunity to beat both on the last drive of the game. Right. You know, so so either a bad call with the Eagles fumble, you know, that fumble that, that wasn't a fumble when Kirk actually threw the ball, but, the, you know, I guess they didn't they didn't overturn it. And then if Dawson, as a rookie, come down with, I mean, you know, young guys, he puts his arm down instead of just coming all the way down, we beat Kansas City. So, anyway, the way things turn out, the NFC East going to come down to week 17. Mm-hmm. So this this game, to answer your question, this game is huge. This is a mid-season or, or not even completely mid-season, week eight or whatever, but like you said, week seven, it's a short mid-season playoff game. Right. Like the, intens- the intensity of this game is going to be huge. Basically, we're playing, we're playing the NFC team right now, the Eagles that are rolling. Like you said, Wentz has been rolling, and they're, they're borderline one possession away themselves from being undefeated. I mean, they lost to Kansas City, but that was on one, you know, one last drive. Yeah, like they are really they are really rolling. Wentz, man, he is he's a baby Aaron. He's a baby Aaron Rodgers right now. It's like honestly, watching him and the poise he has and the heart that he plays with, and and then of course all the skill sets that he's God given. You know, God given. You know, as far as like his agility, you know, the things he does on the field as far as with the ball in his hand, but the intangibles that he has too. He kind of, to me, in my opinion, I, I, only thing I can say that I've seen that might be a flaw in his game is every once in a while he is thrown like a few passes like underthrown. Mm, arm strength. Yeah, exactly, like deep balls. But for real, that's something they can correct because he actually has a funny like throwing motion. Like you notice his, his arm drops a little bit, his elbow drops when he throws it instead of throwing it tight over the top of his head. But other than that, that's something they can, they can change. But this guy, man, he is amazing, man. Yeah, man, he's something else. But back to the, the game, uh, it, this is a must-win game. So early in the year, and Washington obviously is playing well, but – if you have any desires of winning the NFC East, don't you kind of got to win this game Monday night? Like, honestly, the way the Eagles are rolling, if we lose this game, like I said, the midseason preseason game, we're basically going to lose the division. We're not going to come back in the division right. and, and overtake Philly. They, they would have swept us already. So right. Now we'll basically, we'll basically be vying for a wild card spot versus winning the division. That's how huge this Week 7 game is. This is this is this is for all the marbles actually. I actually think we're gonna go in there and play pretty well. I think we might uh, steal this game. I believe so too. I think so too. But back to Carson Wentz, man. If you guys have any goals, any desires of winning the game, you're gonna to have to stop him. When I think about how well he's played in year two, and number one, the fact that he was a D two player, and number two. Man, what is up with the Browns? Yeah, they passed on Wentz. They passed on Deshaun Watson. They passed on Big Ben. They just can't get right. I mean, I mean, let's be real. Even for the low end money, they passed on Dak. Dak was yep. the third, fourth round. Exactly. So they even right. didn't even get Dak. Like you know, just man, they, got, they should fire. They should just fire their GMs and scouts. Yeah, man, they just gotta start over. Yeah, just even Kyler. Even though he's he's well and he like they had to bench him because he got the most interceptions. Like it's just I don't get it, man. Just, yeah, man. Just, like you talk about like remember we talked about us here in DC about uh, two months ago on, about yeah. the curse. Well, yeah, you know the <sighs> Cleveland's curse is different. Like the Browns, obviously they're super cursed. I don't know if anything can cure them, but the city of Cleveland's curse is different because. You know, LeBron won him that chip, man. And that, that one championship that LeBron won, that's like five championships, really. You know, you know what I mean? So the Browns are cursed, but LeBron held that city down to kind of break that that championship drought for the whole city. But, you know, just all right, all right, one, all right, one thing, you real good at basketball. I should have called you today. What is your thoughts on Clay as far as if he were to leave, 
And if he were to be the best player on a, on on any NBA team, what would the record on that NBA team be? Mm. See now, Clay's my guy. I rock with Clay. I like Clay. So I'll put it to you like this: If Clay were to leave Golden State, I don't know if Golden State would still be a championship team, only because I mean they'd still be a contender. Don't get me wrong, but Clay's defense is such an underrated aspect of not just his game but the entire team of the Warriors, right? Clay being out there defensively allows Steph to kind of roam and not, you know, you don't need Steph to be an elite defender because Clay's out there and he can defend so many wing positions, right? So I love Clay, but if Clay were to be the best player on an Eastern Conference team, for for instance, best case scenario, best case scenario, you know what I mean? That's with all things right, no crazy injuries, good talent around him. If Clay is your best player, I think you're fighting for like a seven, a six, seven, or eight seed. You know what I mean? I, I don't think Clay can be the guy who gets the bulk of your offensive possessions. I don't think that he can. He's the guy who can carry Thank the offensive load. Oh my god! That's all. That's, all, that's what I said. If he's your, that's what I said. Like okay, he was like, well, if he got other all stars around him, I said okay. If he does have other all stars around him, then he won't be the best player. Because right. Hey, exactly. He, that's what I said. That's what I was trying to tell my man. I was like, he's not the best all-star. So, therefore, if you put him on the team, he was like, all right, if he, if he played with, like, Giannis and all these others, I'm like, okay, cool. I agree. But if Clay was playing with Giannis, Clay wouldn't be the best player. Giannis is better than Clay. Yeah. He won, he's, that's what I said. He's not the best player. Giannis is still that best player. So, I was like, if he goes to a team right now, let's say um, I, I gave I gave example of Orlando. I gave right. example of Atlanta. He could be the best player on those teams. But what he would do is they would go 42-20. and 20, Right, and and they would be like fighting for the AC. And I and again, I I like Clay. I really like Clay, but nah, man, he he's not he's not one of those elite top tier players to carry a team, man. He, he honestly, when I think of Clay, Clay is like an A plus version of Trevor Ariza, one of those three and D guys. Clay's better, but you know he's just an A plus. He's like the best three and D guy you can imagine. No, but I'm gonna tell you, no, that, and that, see, that's what I say. I say I say the same thing. I said he's an A plus player of Danny Green, and I, and I was like Clay is a I was like Clay is an upgraded on steroids Danny Green. <laughs> Once again, man, though that's those more genes working overtime, man. Once again, everybody, that's my cousin, my blood, Sadiq Abdul, promoter, sports analyst, making his monthly appearance on the quarterly report. Sadiq, man, thank you so much for joining me, and I will see you in November. Hey, man, always uh, appreciate you having me, man. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, man, but I feel that's a pretty strong first half. Really heavy with the NBA, but if you're listening to this podcast, you already know how we do. Hopefully, you're enjoying yourself. And if you are enjoying yourself, please head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. All you have to do is go to iTunes, head on over to the podcast directory, and type in the name of the show, The Quarterly Report. Again, that's quarterly spelled Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. Once you see the show's icon, click on that, subscribe to the show, subscribe to the podcast, and while you're at it, please rate and review the show. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know what you'd like to hear me talk about or maybe even what you don't want to hear me speak of anymore. However you feel, whatever you feel, just give me some feedback and let me know your thoughts on the show. And while you're at it, make sure you email me and the show as well. We're at the quarterly report at gmail.com again quarterly report at gmail.com and we're now on soundcloud so all you soundcloud listeners make sure you check the podcast there as well all right man so it's time for halftime this first half has been almost completely devoted to the return of the nba but there's a lot of sports going on right now including the baseball playoffs i know i don't really talk about baseball like that on the show but i can't lie Baseball's playoffs are really, really fun. I've enjoyed watching the games thus far, but there's this one thing that keeps on popping up with baseball that is annoying me to none, no end. And it has nothing to do with the players, but people criticizing the players for trying to add some fun and some life to the game. Take a listen. This is CNN Breaking News. An uproar in our national pastime as Los Angeles Dodgers outfielder Yasiel Puig. Becky Lynn, can you believe this? What's the matter, honey? This damn Yasiel Puig and his godforsaken bat flips and gold chains, he's ruining baseball and the country, babe. Ruining baseball? 
You sure you're not exaggerating a bit, hon? Hell no. I can't even watch the game with Junior with all this hot dogging and jiving going on. You see, sweetheart, Junior doesn't even like baseball anymore. All he ever does is stay locked in his room all day playing video games. What? That's what the fake news wants you to believe, Becky Lynn. Don't be so gullible. Junior, bring your ass down here. Hey, Paul. What you doing in that damn room, boy? Don't you want to watch the ball game with your old man? Uh, not really. I'm on level 10 of my new game, Murder, Death, Kill, Volume 3, Decapitation. It's really cool, Paul. Okay, well, go up there and make sure you kill some of them damn illegals. While you're at it for me, okay? You know, honey, I'm worried about Junior in that game. I saw him steal a car, drink and drive, then fire a grenade launcher at an aquarium the other day. It's so lifelike. Maybe we should take it away from him. Take it away? What the hell for, Becky Lynn? He's got his constitutional rights, doesn't he? What? Listen, honey, you've been watching too much of that Ellen, okay? Ain't nothing wrong with them games. What's wrong is these Yasiel Puig's and Bryce Harper's out here with the backflips and flipping of the hair. I mean, hell, he's setting a bad example for our kids and our future. Be a damn role model. Y'all hear how stupid that sounds? Like the whole idea about these, and I talk about this all the time. We keep on associating sports and athletics, like with nobility. You know what I mean? Like, like, we hold sports and athletes up to this high standard of, you know what I mean? Like the best of our human, you know, species, the best of us as humans are football players and baseball players and basketball players and boxers. Nah, they're just super athletic. You know what I mean? You know, like people talk about, and, and people use like, what about the kids defense all the time? Those same people will let their kids watch all types of movies, play all types of video games, bro. I'm like, Slim, stop trying to make athletes who you have no idea who they are. Your child's role model. You understand? Like when I was growing up, I liked Mike Tyson. I had a Dennis, hell man, I had a Dennis Rodman jersey. I liked Ron Artest. My dad ain't had to worry about me jumping in the stands, fighting, you know what I'm saying, strangers. You wanna know why? Because my father, my mother, my sister, I had aunts, uncles, friends of the family. They made sure that I was a good child. They helped raise me. You know what I'm saying? My pops, my mom, they didn't leave it to, you know, Patrick Ewan and Pernell Whitaker to raise me growing up. Nah. And like this whole idea of like, oh man, it's bad for the, it's a bad example for children. Man, shut up. Kids want to have fun. It's a game. Stop acting like playing baseball is, you know, rocket science, because it's not, man. It's a game. All right, that was halftime, and halftime this week actually leads me perfectly into our third quarter. For the third quarter this week, we're going to break down the amazing playoffs in Major League Baseball and why, for some reason, the MLB and old heads want to always get in the way of baseball flourishing, especially for future generations. It's our third topic this week. Third quarter. I am not a fan of baseball. All right, let's let's get that out the way. You know, I think the game is fun to play. I grew up playing baseball, Little League, the whole nine. But when it comes to baseball, especially in the regular season, it's just not for me, man. I can't watch it. I don't enjoy it. Um, but their playoffs, slim. Their playoffs are so much fun. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this year's baseball playoffs. And it's like this every year. Baseball, there are a lot of things about the sport I don't like. A lot of them. But I'm not going to spend my time talking about why I don't like the sport. You know what I mean? I got an email not too long ago from um, from a listener. And shout-outs to all the, the listeners who communicate via email, Twitter, the whole nine. And this person was telling me, she was like, you know, I wish you would talk about baseball more. It's probably like, you know, back in the summer, you know, three, four months ago. And, you know, I responded back to her saying, you know, I don't want to talk about sports that I'm not a fan of. Right. Because there's one thing I can't stand is people who 
kill other sports if you don't like it. You know, and as an NBA fan, I hear all the time, you know, there's there is there's a section of the sports world who cannot stand the NBA. And a lot of it, you know, is more than just the game. You know what I'm saying? But they go out of their way to tell you how much they can't stand the sport. And I'm thinking to myself, if you don't like the sport so much, stop talking about it. Like, why do you focus so much on it? So I don't want to be that guy when it comes to baseball, right? I'll talk about baseball if it's like a larger, big topic issue or like when Sammy Sosa wants to be pink. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But overall, I'm just not going to talk about it because I'm not a fan. You know, however, I will talk about it when I want to give it praise or like I said, when there's a bigger, larger topic at hand. So you guys just heard halftime, right? And this idea that's going on with baseball, it's confusing to me because they're having such an amazing playoffs. And let's keep it. Let's be honest. Baseball consistently. Right. Their playoffs are really, really fun. I don't know why the game, the why in the regular season, it doesn't translate for me. But in the postseason, it does. But I, I, I guess most sports are like that. I mean, look, truth be told. I would say and I'm I'm a big time NBA fan, the NBA of the four major sports are obviously my favorite sport, but I'd say that they've got the worst playoffs of the four, but that is probably, I say that because I just enjoy the game of the NBA. So while the playoffs pick up an intensity, I, I love watching regular season NBA games because you're just watching humans do stuff. In my opinion, that no other, (laughs) no other human beings can do. You know what I mean? Like think of it like this. LeBron James is a defensive end, and he's running up and down the floor, one of the fastest players in the league at the age of 33. Dwight Howard, they don't make people who look like that, man. You know, Russell Westbrook is a cannonball, and he's flying up and down the court every single night, every single game. Like, you just got the best athlete. So, in my opinion, I just love the regular season of the NBA. So, Yes, their playoffs pick up in intensity, but not like not like football. Well, football is a one-game elimination. I mean, it doesn't get more exciting than that. Hockey, I'm not the biggest hockey fan. You know, I enjoy it. I, unlike baseball, I can watch a hockey regular season game, but I'm not in the house checking to see, you know, when the Caps are playing. But if you watch a playoff hockey game, it's the most intense thing ever because one, one deflection can change the whole game. And it's like that for 20-minute increments, right? 20-minute periods. If you've never watched a playoff hockey game, I suggest you do it. It's some of the most exciting uh, time watching sports that I've ever encountered. And like I said now, with baseball, baseball playoffs are amazing. They're long as hell. And that's that thing annoys me. But just the, the excitement of the game is significantly higher, in my estimation, than their regular season. But baseball, man, and this is the problem. Like, despite the fact that they're having a great playoffs, despite the fact that the last four teams in their playoffs are in the four biggest markets in the country. I mean, how that's huge. But baseball can't stay out its own way. Yasiel Puig, man, I love this guy. I love Yasiel Puig, and I love Bryce Harper. I love that this new wave of baseball players, these athletes, these young guys who are trying their best to let their personality shine, right? They are trying their best to infuse some type of youthful uh, energy, some enthusiasm into this game. But every single time they do it, somebody's there waving their cane, waving their walker at them saying, oh, no, that's not how you're supposed to do it. And then you just heard halftime, man. Baseball, baseball lovers threw a fit at Yasiel Puig flipping his bat in the NLDS for a double. I loved it. I loved it. The baseball needs more of that. Bryce Harper, you know what I mean? Wave, flipping his hair anytime he gets a chance. You know, when he was in the minors, blowing kisses. Slim, why not? Why do we keep acting like professional sports is like the most honorable thing in the world? Like, why? It's not. They play games. Baseball players wearing these high-ass socks. You know what I'm saying? The managers wearing a uniform. Baseball takes itself way too seriously for me. I mean, 
seriously. I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to knock the sport because, again, their playoffs have been amazing. So much fun to watch. My daughter, my sister, you know, her boyfriend went to a baseball game not too long ago. My daughter had the time of her life. They're sending me videos of her dancing and talking about how she's engaged in the game and all the pitching changes and all this other stuff. And I'm thinking, man, that's great. You know, I'm trying to salute baseball. Shout them out. And then Yasiel Puig does a bat flip that, to me, is hilarious because it was just a double. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He, he thinking he think he's, like, knocking one out the park. He got a double. Whatever. He still got on base. And then people, Keith Oberman, coming out of the Woodworks, ripping Yasiel Puig. And it wasn't just Oberman, but he's the most high-profile guy who did it. And I'm thinking to myself, man, why, do you, why don't y'all want to excel? Imagine this in the 80s. Someone in the NBA calls up to Magic Johnson like, hey, Irvin, you're doing amazing. Doing really, really well with the Lakers. You're really fun to watch, but uh, got this one criticism of you. Why do you always smile and celebrate and fist pump after you make an amazing pass? It's really disrespectful to your opponents. Try not to do that. Act like you've been there before, all right? Thank you. Click. Can you imagine being that dumb? Telling Irvin Magic Johnson, don't smile, don't point, don't fist pump because you're being disrespectful. Hell, Larry Bird is the most talkingest player of all time. <laughs> Can you imagine someone calling Larry Legend saying, hey, Larry, you're really great at basketball. It's really fun to watch you and the Celtics play, but uh, got one critique. Can you stop pointing and turning your back? When you're making baskets, can you stop calling out your shots? Can you stop telling your opponents where you're going to shoot and how the shot's going to go in? Can you stop doing that? Because we don't usually play basketball like this. That's not how the history of the game is played. And it's really disrespectful. Children are watching. Thanks. Click. Can you imagine somebody telling Larry Bird that? Or even this in the 80s, early 90s. Michael Jordan, what's going on? You're really amazing to watch. So many children want to be like you. It's great. But there's this one thing that you do that really needs you to stop doing. Stop putting your tongue out. Stop fist pumping when you dunk on people. Don't do that. That's disrespecting the game. Thanks. Click. Can you imagine anyone saying that? Of course not. Because that is what propelled those players that's what made those players so that's why there's such a connection not just because they're great but because you you felt like you got to know them you got to understand their intensity we love magic because magic's bright smile magic loved to play basketball right michael jordan and larry bird are two of the most competitive players of all time and that's that came across while watching them play and that added to the enjoyment of watching them Right? I love, I couldn't stand Michael Jordan growing up. But Michael Jordan dunking on Patrick Ewing and then screaming on him, that's a moment that we all remember for the rest of our lives. Reggie Miller holding his throat, talking about choking. Like, they got to express themselves in addition to showing themselves to be amazing athletes. What's not to like about that? Deion Sanders, I'll never forget when he went back to the Georgia Dome when he played for the 49ers. And he had a pick six. He was guarding Andre Rising. They got in a little, 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 little fight earlier in the game. And then he picked up whoever the quarterback was for Atlanta. And he ran it back and looked at the Falcons bench as he high stepped. He had a high step for like 15 straight yards. I'll never forget that. Why is it in baseball we try to suppress the player's personality? And not only why do they do it, why does anyone think that's a smart idea? Let Yasiel Puig bat flip. It's fun. They're playing a game. It's not heart surgery. You know, they're playing a game. Let them have fun. Look, man, I'll play my seven-year-old daughter in Connect Four. And if I beat her, I'm doing some type of celebration. Maybe that makes me a jerk. <laughs> Maybe that makes me an asshole. But more than anything, it makes me a fun competitor. You know what I mean? If I beat you in rock, paper, scissors... I'm doing something. And Yasiel Puig is the same way. Bryce Harper is the same way. 
Why does baseball keep getting in their own way? Understand, if if your response to anything is, this is the way we've always done it, you need to check yourself. Because for obvious reasons, I'm glad that we made some changes to things that we used to do, right? I'm glad as a society we've moved on from, hey, this is the way we've always done it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Baseball, they keep saying, and I think some of this is exaggerated, but they keep on talking about a generational problem with baseball. You know, how young young people, young viewers aren't watching like the way they used to. I'm not, I'm not that involved in the game as a fan, as a spectator, as an analyst to really dive in deeper. But if they honestly feel that there is some issues with the, the, the passing on of the game from a generational standpoint, how about you just let their young players be young and be fun? Honestly, what is the problem with that? Please, your friend, man, embrace it. All right, y'all, man. Hopefully you guys enjoy this and hopefully you embrace the show. Make sure you do so. We're on Twitter. Follow the show at Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. Also, we're on iTunes. Make sure you sign up to iTunes, subscribe to the show, subscribe and download the show. We're at the Quarterly Report. Again, it's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. Once you click on the show, subscribe to it and rate and review the show. Let me know what you like about the show. If you don't like it, let me know that as well. No salt, no hard feelings here. I just want to engage with you all. Let me know what you like and what you want to hear more of. All right, guys, that's the third quarter. We've only got one more to go. Let's get it going with our fourth topic this week. I don't know about you, but I'm so sick and tired of hearing about sports ratings. You know, I don't I don't know when we got to this point where everyone was so fascinated on the ratings of each individual sport and each individual game. But we're here now in 2017, and it's the most annoying thing. You know, like I talked about it earlier in the last quarter, where people who don't like a certain sport always spend so much time ripping said sport. And that's like the most annoying thing, in my opinion. Uh, a close second is the fascination about what this football game generated in the Nielsen ratings or how baseball playoff ratings, you know, look compared to the hockey and NBA counterparts. Like, man, enjoy the damn game, man. Like that, all this stuff is stupid. And it's rearing its head the most when it comes to football, especially this year, you know, for a bunch of reasons that we all know that, I've already talked about in previous episodes, and I, I don't feel like relitigating the whole point, right? But everyone now, every Monday morning, you open up your Twitter account or whatever social media outlet you have. There's someone talking about how football ratings fare compared to last year. And then there's some people on one side of the coin that says the football ratings are in the tank, right? They can continue to decline. And another group of people will say, well, Football ratings aren't really that bad when you think about it. And it's too early to tell whether it's tanking or not because depending on the game, depending on the network, some ratings are actually better. I don't care. I don't care. But that got me thinking. Because last week, Puff, out of the blue, shout out to Puff, man. This I was last, last week I was thinking about making this uh, Angry Man. Because the Bama Puff came out and was like, yo, I'm, I want to I wanna buy the NFL. Or somebody sell me the NFL. So, you know, naturally, I'm like, man, sit your ass down. What you talking about? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't have enough. Puff money is long. Puff money isn't long enough to buy an NFL team. This dude talking about he wants to buy the NFL? Come on, bro. What are you, what, what are you talking about? So I saw that and I chuckled. And I was like, man, you know what? You know, this this should be a, this would be a good angry man. And, you know, to pull the curtain back a little bit, there are a lot of topics that I, I'm interested in that don't make the final cut. So just FYI, we're going to get on Instagram very soon and we're going to do a little little a fun little thing where, you know, you get to see me and I'll break down kind of the, the stories that just miss the top four stories for the quarterly report. 
I think it'll be a little fun way to kind of shed some light into kind of the whole process and how I think. But back to the overall point, you know, Puff, he was talking about buying the NFL. Obviously, that's not going to happen. But then earlier this week, Master P jumped out there and was like, yo, I think we need to start our own league. You know, he, he was talking about, obviously, Colin Kaepernick. But overall, his point was, you know, I think that, you know, there needs to be a different football league. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, you know what? What Puff said, if you just take the whole point about him wanting to buy the NFL, there is a market. There is a space for another football league. But maybe not with Puff as the face or Master P. I need Vince McMahon to get up off his ass and doing whatever he's doing and try to run back the XFL. And I think it will be a super dope concept. I, I actually think if someone, if Vince McMahon, NBC, whomever, really wanted to do the XFL but do it right, this would be the prime time, perfect time, perfect opportunity to do it. Now, you got to learn from your mistakes. I don't know if you guys saw the 30 for 30 on the XFL that came out earlier this year. It was really, really well done. You know, all the 30 for 30s are well done. But this one I enjoyed a great deal. And it talked about how these guys were just so ambitious to do the XFL that the idea was really strong. And you've seen some of the concepts that were that was birthed during the XFL, like the you know, the overhead camera, the mic'd up players and coaches on the sidelines, like all that stuff started in the XFL. They had some really dope concepts, but the foundation was, was messed up, right? They weren't, they didn't, they didn't put an onus on actually trying to find good football players. There were, there were a few, but by and large, the play on the field was bad. And the production value after, you know, after a while, once the, once the, once the play wasn't good, they were like, okay, well, we got to do these WWF style, you know, interviews in the locker room and like showcase the cheerleaders and all this stuff. And, and you realized once the once people didn't tune in for the play, they had nothing. But they didn't invest in scouting, developing players, right? Tryouts. They didn't invest in that. They were all about, you know, the glitz and the glam. You know, we got no fair catches. You know, no coin tosses. They were so they were all they were the they were the 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 bakery who focuses just on the icing and not on the actual cupcake. You know what I'm saying? Not on the actual uh, baking of their goods, just the icing. It was flimsy. But if they were to learn from their mistakes, actually invest in trying to develop and find players who can actually play football, giving individual teams time to practice and to cultivate their own style and their own playbook and everything like that. And then most importantly, learn from all of the NFL's many failures. And there are a lot, and we'll get to that in a second. I actually think another football league, an XFL, if you will, would be perfect. Perfect. Now, you would have to have some type of foresight. Like, you can be myopic. You would have to have a 10-year 15 year, 20 year plan. You wouldn't be, you, you couldn't want to try to compete with the NFL, obviously, because the NFL still like, no matter how many people want to rip it, no matter how many people like myself who, who don't enjoy football the way I used to, the, the NFL is a juggernaut. It still is. And there are ways away from falling off. But if ice cube and the big three showed us anything this year, there is a market for people who want to see year long sports other than baseball, like that summer market is available and absolutely uh, a fun football league, right? To hold you over until the start of the preseason would, would be perfect if you took the time to do it right. And what do I mean by that? The NFL, like I said in a, a few moments ago, they've had so many big time failures so many that this league could theoretically be progressive forward thinking enough to just basically do the opposite of what the NFL has done for so long. Case in point, 
have a zero tolerance policy for domestic violence. Now, hopefully the league would just be run by good people. You know what I mean? They'll be like, you know what? We're not going to get a situation like Ray Rice. We're not going to get a situation like Greg Hardy. You know, you get convicted and it can't even just be convictions because people forget Ray Rice didn't get convicted. But if, if you have anything, anything like real on a player hitting a woman, you're done. Imagine having that as a stance, right? Because so many people are sick and tired of seeing these 300-pound behemoth men beating on women. You know what I mean? You get sick. Like, that's crazy. If a football league, a football league that was run well, a football league that actually had competitive games and NFL talent, like top-tier talent, was like, you know what? We're not, we're not messing around with domestic violence. Imagine all the publicity that you would get off that. Not a, not to mention just people being like, yeah, a league finally gets it. Here's another way that football, another league, could, could take a stance on being progressive. Imagine if a league was like, you know what? We're going to allow medicinal marijuana. You know, there's an opioid crisis in this country, and God knows what the NFL is shooting up these players with. So imagine if this XFL league was like, you know what? We will allow our players to use medical marijuana. We're going to be strict. We're going to have real doctors, right? They have to get it prescribed. You know what I mean? In the off seasons, we're going to limit them. Obviously they're not going to be just getting like, you know, kilos or whatever. They're not going to be getting like huge amounts, but you know, to, to help them with God knows whatever pains and aches they're going through because they obviously will be going through it. Imagine the attention that they would get. Imagine, honestly, the data that they would be getting in real time, right? To, to actually see how their players react to the option of medical marijuana. Think about that. It could be groundbreaking. You know what else they should do? Cut the games. We don't need 16 games. Now, because this league will be basically filler to the start of the NFL season, everybody will be down with that, right? But imagine like they're saying, yo, we got 10 games. Just a 10-game schedule. You cut the league, you cut the season by six games, you still have a bye week. You know, and if you cut the if you cut the games down, you'd be able to offer guaranteed contracts. But everybody wouldn't get one, right? You would have the choice to offer a player. If you really like a player, offer him a guaranteed contract. Imagine, like, think of all the things football does poorly. And this new league, the XFL, if they were to run it back, they just be like, okay, the NFL is giving us the blueprint on what not to do. Let's just do everything that they did they, that they're not doing. Imagine the strides that you would be able to get. And then think about this. That's just kind of like a, a fundamental, like a, a framework of the rules and some of the things that would get attention. In terms of players, there are plenty of players who would be out there who people would want to see. Again, learn from what I... Uh, Ice Cube did with the big three. You know, the big three was smart. No one in the big three was talking about trying to compete with the NBA. All the big three did this year was, you know what, let's start a foundation. And by all accounts, people who liked it, watched it, they're doing it another season. And now they can build on this past year. The XFL would have come back out, man. You know who I call? I call Cap to see what Cap is, even if he's interested, because... He's suing the NFL, so he clearly understands that nobody in the NFL is going to hire him anymore, right? I think at this point, we understand that that's not going to happen. So I'd see if Cap want to play. You know who else I call? I call Johnny Manziel. I call Josh Gordon. I mean, the NFL made Josh Gordon out to be like public enemy number one because, you know, he's got a problem with weed. You know, just check the brother. Make sure he's okay. He clearly can still play, Right? I'd call RG3. RG3, you want another shot in the NFL? Well, they want to make sure that you can still play. Come on, let's see what you can do in the XFL. I mean, there's so many guys out there who just name value alone. I didn't even, hell, I call Tim Tebow. Hey, man, this may be your only shot to get back into the NFL. What's happening? I call him up. Again, shorter season, guaranteeing contracts if the owner wants to give it to you. You know? Zero tolerance policy when it comes to domestic violence, uh, medical marijuana, 
we can see like if there's any like a lot of people talk about possible uh um benefits to medical marijuana as it pertains to football players will we be able to see firsthand i mean i i, I honestly think that this is something in fact i'm surprised that no one other than master p is thinking about this because if there if ever there was an opening clearly the country loves football but on many different facets of the way like many different areas people are having a problem with the nfl but people still love football like the the opening is there i'm so surprised that no one is actually thinking about this you know what i mean because Again, the big three showed us in three-on-three basketball, people are interested. Three-on-three basketball. You mean to tell me that they wouldn't be interested in football if you did it right? If you had a long-term plan? If you actually invested in the product? Oh, my goodness. Come on. Again, I'm shocked that no one's thought about it yet. But, hey, that's what I'm here for, man, on the quarterly report. I'm here to think about the things that everybody else should be thinking about. And hopefully you enjoy that. Like, I hope you enjoyed this show. It's my 28th episode, man. We coming up. We're close to 30. I'm super proud of it. And I'm so happy that you all spend an hour of your week rocking with me. Please make sure you follow me on Twitter. I get in depth now that the NBA season is going on, man. I'm tweeting all over the place. Make sure you follow me on the on the show's Twitter account. We're at quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. You also can follow my own personal Twitter account if you're interested. I'm at Armon, A-R-M-O-N underscore Lee, L-E-E. Please also subscribe to the show. Subscribe to the podcast. All you got to do is go to iTunes, go to the podcast directory, search for the show's name by typing in quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, report. You'll see my icon. You'll see the show's icon. Click on it, subscribe. And while you're at it, please rate and review the show. We're now on SoundCloud, so make sure you check us out for all you SoundCloud listeners. And we'll be back next week, once again, better than ever, right here on the Quarterly Report.